Are we recording? Yes, we are. I can see movement on the Audacity system. Movement at the station? <laughs> For the word passed around that the cult from Old Ravel had got away? No? Maybe no. from Snowy River? No. No? Wow. I mean, that's the extent of what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know this the song. I've, seen, the, I've definitely seen the movie. That's the poem. That's oh. the poem. The well, movement at the station as the word had got around that the cult well, from Old Ravel had got away. And on that note, I'm Rhiannon. <laughs> and I'm Mitch. <laughs> and today's episode is on the Great Emu War. Uh, so, as you may guess from emus, this story is set in Australia. Uh, it is from 1932. And the part of Australia it happened in is Western Australia. Now, for those who don't know Australia, Western Australia is its own state. It's not just like the west part. <laughs> but it is also just the west part mm. and an entire coastline. Yes, yes, that's true. And uh, it would very much like to be its own country, uh, as we've all seen with the way it's locked its borders during COVID. <laughs> what was the expression? that oh, Early 90s, it was when you fly to Western Australia, turn your clock back X number of hours and time back 20 years. Uh, so, short story. I feel like I should start with the ending, which is that... The emus won. Which isn't all that surprising if you've ever seen an emu. No, so for those who don't know an emu, they are the second largest bird by height in the world, uh, just after the ostrich. They are flightless. They are fucking scary. Uh, so I did my work experience in year 10 at Taronga Zoo, and there was a male emu who it was uh, the time of year when he wanted to mate. I was told very clearly, do not stand still near the emu. There was a bunch of Japanese uh, exchange students. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. And this boy stood there as this emu came up behind him and all his friends were like, oh, and started filming. This emu tried to fuck this boy. Like, it, he just stood there. I was like, mate, you're being way too polite to the emu. <laughs> like, run. <laughs> what are you doing? But they are scary birds. I still remember hand feeding some somewhere when I was a child. And one of them just bit my pop's hand so hard like all this blood came out oh gosh it was oh. i mean they're for all intents and purposes besides a chicken the closest thing to a dinosaur we still have cassowaries yes cassowaries but they're both dinosaurs yes that's like fair. if you've seen their talons and their feet mm -hmm. it's not it's not okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Kangaroos, cassowaries, and emus—the three Australian animals <laughs> that are dinosaurs. Just they've been reskinned for the modern era. Mm. <laughs> just like no, no, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, so the background to this story, uh, of course, is 1932. We've just followed the Great Depression. We're bored. We haven't had a war in a couple of years. Mm. Uh, and a lot of ex-army members have been given land in Australia. So these are all soldiers who've been given land to try and resettle them post the Great War. Problem is, because there's been the Great Depression, wheat prices have risen. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> wheat prices have fallen. So they're not getting enough money for the amount of wheat they're producing. They also don't have enough money to put up fences around their crops. Oh, that's not good. No, so of course... Oh no. <laughs> the emus are like... Damn, look at all this good food. And they're just having a great time eating the farmer's crops. <laughs> because, like, they're animals. They don't know any different. It's free food. Uh, so there's about 5,000 soldiers in this settlement program. Oh, it's God. near Campion, 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we're talking about kind of southern Western Australia. Which, which if you're thinking southern Western Australia, take the American South and make it more southern. That's <laughs> the Australian equivalent of what we're talking about. Mm. Uh, and it's about 20,000 emus in the area. So, so we're outnumbered significantly, yeah, significantly and should never have gone into this war. Mm-hmm. Now, the soldiers being soldiers, they don't approach the Minister for Agriculture about this problem. <laughs> no, of course not. They approach the Minister of Defence. Of course. <laughs> of course. Because they had no fences. <laughs> you go it's to the minister. Yeah, yeah, you go for Minister of Defence, mm. <laughs> not the Minister of No Fence. <laughs> oh no. Okay, so the Minister of Defence, his name is Sir George Pierce. I just want us all to remember him, Sir George Pierce, because this is what he's most famous for: is the Emu War, his greatest war. <laughs> Uh, he was originally part of the Labour Party. He helped set up the Labour Party in Australia. I believe at the time he's in office, he's part of the United Australia Party. Okay. So, I'm not good on my parties. I don't know what happened to the United Australia Party. I don't think it exists anymore. I think they're united with a different party. <laughs> <laughs> Just sort of got folded in. Yeah. <laughs> Hide the emu shame. <laughs> uh, so, for those outside of Australia, the Labour Party is our more liberal party. And the Liberal Party is our Conservative Party. And for those of you wondering why the Labour Party and the Liberal Party always seem to look like they're the same thing from an outsider's perspective, (laughs) the entirety of Australian politics, except for Pauline Hanson, can actually be found within the purview of the American Democratic Party. We've We've only had about five to ten politicians in the course of Australian history Mm. that would not be considered Democrats in America. Wow. Wow, that really makes me rethink the Democratic Party in America. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Sir George Pierce, he's like, I've got an idea, guys. I'm going to get you two soldiers and they are going to get rid of these emus. We're going to declare war on the emus. So... He actually, even though he was running it, he had the farmer sign a thing saying he wasn't responsible. Um, and he provides two Lewis light machine guns oh, to go fun. with the soldiers. Yes, I figured you'd know more about the guns than me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, a machine cap gun. <laughs> like, it's more pop, pop, pop than it is... <laughs> oh, good. Yes, excellent. Just for the sound effects <laughs> that other people who've been around guns understand. Pop, mm. pop, pop versus... Yeah, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> no. Uh, and he gives them <laughs> 10,000 rounds of ammunition. So the two men, they arrive and they see 50 emus and they're like, excellent, we'll start here. Now the emus, they're fast runners. They immediately scatter into groups and run away from the guns, run towards cover, avoid the bullets really well. And, you know, a few emus are killed in this first engagement. Because this is a battle, guys, don't forget. It's an entire war. Mm, <laughs> yes. So two days later, they go into the next skirmish. There's a hundred, sorry, not a hundred, there's a thousand emus. And they're like, oh, we got them this time, boys. <laughs> so they get down with their guns, but emus are fast. And the emus all just run off. Now, at this point, they realize how fast the emus are. And they say, okay, let's put one of the machine guns on the back of a car. 
This is a 1930s car as well. Like, it's not a modern, like, ute or pickup truck or a military vehicle. It's just someone's 1930s jalopy. (laughs) Yeah. With a top speed of 55 miles per hour. Um, So, apparently, this tactic achieved precisely zero kills. But then another source I read said that it stopped after an emu got stuck in the steering wheel. So, I don't know what happened to that emu. I just want to be there for that planning meeting amongst the emus. Like, they've mounted it on a vehicle that can run as fast as we can. We need someone. Someone without a family. Someone willing to take this vehicle down from the inside. I'll do it. Thank you, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there was also media coverage of all this because... Of course course you would cover this. Of course (laughs) And the media was not nice to Pierce and to this whole operation. And at some point, they retreated because they'd used 2,500 bullets and killed 200 emus. That's a... It's about one to ten. Yeah, no. (laughs) Did they bring in, like, artillery guys instead of infantry? Just like, well, I'm used to things being really far away, (laughs) and I fire one thing, and it takes out a square kilometre. Well, I'd love to say I know the names of the soldiers. I don't. I do know that Major Meredith was in charge of the operation. So it goes Pierce, Meredith, the two soldiers. I do enjoy that Meredith is one of those military names that makes me think of Blackadder. (laughs) It's, hello, Captain Darling. Good morning, Darling. How are you, Darling? (laughs) Meredith, <laughs> you're needed on the emu front. Um, so they engage in a second round of attacks on the 12th of November. All right. I feel like I forgot to say, they started on the 2nd of November. So this is 10 days later. Okay. So like, how many bullets was it at this point? 2,500? Mm-hmm. So 250 bullets a day. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a break. Yeah, I know, but we're averaging. Yeah, okay. Two hundred and fifty <laughs> bullets a day, and what? Like two emus? Two hundred. Oh, t- per day, yes, two emus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two to twenty. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how many they've they've bulked up as. So, um, by the end of this second round of attacks, they've killed nine hundred and eighty-six emus. Okay, we're making progress. They've used nine thousand eight hundred and sixty oh, rounds. Oh dear God! <laughs> I do not know. I feel like these numbers aren't correct because that's exactly one to ten. Yeah, that's not good. It's like, it's almost too perfect. It's like, there's, there's something fudged there. I, I just like the concept of one of them is clearly the very first PETA activist. And it's just firing <laughs> into the air while the other one's actively trying to do stuff. That's probably exactly that's what why happened. it's one in ten. He was like, this is that national bird. I've used nine, nine times as much ammunition as him. I'm just not a good shot. <laughs> but you killed all those people in the war. What? Yes, but they want food. <laughs> um, so, where are we? Oh, yes. Um, the emu's running in every direction. Yeah. Yep. As they do. As they do. They're very smart, unlike Rick and Stark. Um, sorry, I just had to get that in there. But, <laughs> Bro. <laughs> uh, so, describing the emus, Major Meredith later said... If we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. And that's because many emus actually took multiple hits, but kept running at full speed. So, like, every emu was 50 cent. (laughs) 
<laughs> just took multiple yeah, body shots like, and kept yeah. going. <laughs> yep. They've all filed for bankruptcy too. <laughs> just, just to keep the, the story alive. Yeah. Um, and there was one <laughs> emu that was hit by a truck later and died. And when they autopsied the emu, they found five bullets inside it. Two of them just haven't been fired. It just ate them. <laughs> <laughs> just walking out. Mm, more food. <laughs> Five bullet wounds to a wild animal, and the thing that finally kills it is a truck. Yep. Keep in mind, I mean, you can hit a wombat with your car. And it, yeah. And the wombat gets up and walks away, and your car gets towed. Yes. I mean, that is because their bum is practically a steel plate. Yeah. And, and poops cubes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Where God was just like, mm, more experiments. <laughs> Um, so... God's edgy face continent. <laughs> and now I'm just going to make a really scary spider. Thought the other ones were bad. <laughs> this one makes its webs in a funnel. Oh, God. So wait, it's... Did they even kill a thousand of the emus? No, just shy. <laughs> Didn't quite hit a thousand. Oh. So, when we're talking about why the emus won, 20,000 emus were counted, and they killed less than a thousand emus. That's so not there, good. There are still 19,000 emus hanging around and eating the crops. It was such a disaster that the opposition party suggested they give medals to the emus. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> I just love the idea of an emu with a wartime medal swaggering into like a group of female emus, just Shayla, Shayla, <laughs> Shayla. That's right, I'm a veteran of the human war. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And after the wheat was harvested, funnily enough, the emus left the farmers alone. (laughs) (laughs) So so all it took was just actually harvesting the Mm, wheat. mm -hmm. And the emus like, no, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) We can move on. Yep, that's it. (laughs) And all I can think is like, this was an absolute failure, but can you imagine if instead of the emus, this war had been waged against the cassowaries? No, no, there'd be dead people. Yeah, I feel like the cassowaries would not run. Dead people. The cassowaries would run at you with those giant, like, how long are their talons? Like the length of an adult male finger, yeah. and that's the talon coming off the end of the toe. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to know what a velociraptor looks like when it runs, just look at a cassowary. Mm-hmm. They're terrifying. Oh my gosh, so terrifying. Never want to be near one in the wild. And they've got that nice frill on the top of yeah. their head as well that says, "Don't." Mm-hmm. So emus are protected as of now, nineteen ninety nine. Oh good, <laughs> sixty years in case they came back with a vengeance, and we were like, "Don't make them protected. We might have to kill them again." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just—it's an interesting war. Didn't go well. I think in general Australia's policies around animals aren't the smartest. Uh, we've got let's wage a war against the emus. There's too many rabbits. Let's build a fence. There's still too many rabbits. The fence didn't work. Mm. <laughs> Followed by, let's build another fence. <laughs> hey guys, let's introduce some foxes here for hunting. Oh, there's a lot of foxes now, guys. <laughs> you know what would be great in Queensland? Let's plant sugarcane. Mm. Oh no, cane beetles. You know what eats cane beetles <laughs> in other countries? Cane toads. You know what doesn't eat cane toads in Australia? Everything else. Mm-hmm. 
So for those who aren't in Australia, cane toads are the worst. They are slowly spreading down into New South Wales. There was a point in the 80s and early 90s where you could go to a driving range in Queensland and instead of a bucket of balls, you got a bucket of toads. Mm. And you could hit them with a driving wedge. The pastime for Queenslanders was not potholing and bumping into potholes. It was instead driving and trying to run over cane toads as you went down the highway. It's so prevalent, it actually ended up being a series of children's books where one of the main character cane toads would stack the flattened versions of his relatives in their (laughs) cane toad home when he would go out and find them on the highway. (laughs) Oh man, and then, I mean, at least with cane toads and rabbits, no, we haven't got rid of the cane toads, at least with the rabbits, they're not native. Emus, natives. Dingoes, natives. Can we ban 180 now, guys? I, just, I always call it 180. 1080. That poison is horrifying. Dingoes are a native species. They're good for the ecosystem. Stop trying to kill them because they're eating your fucking whatever. Oh, no, it ain't one of my sheep. Tough. Tough. You brought sheep to a country they're not supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. If we've learnt anything, it's introducing something that shouldn't be in an Australian animal, aka a bullet to an emu. <laughs> it doesn't work out for us in the long run. Mm. They can run away from the fire. We can't. <laughs> We're pursuit predators. We just outlast stuff. Mm-hmm. These guys can run alongside a car like the Roadrunner. Look yeah. at you, and in an Australian accent, go, meep, meep, and keep <laughs> running. Why we ever thought to fight them in the first place is beyond me. They were just bored after the war, I think. <laughs> it really comes back to that. We were like, oh, we had it. <laughs> they were the hobbits of Western Australia. Yes, we've had one world war, but what about second world war? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they did... Find some benefit, obviously, because they have to replant the wheat, uh, with introducing a bounty system. Okay. So rather than waging a war on the emus after that, in 1934, they introduced the bounty system, uh, which involves some mass culling of emus. So bring in an emu, get a chocolate bar full of coconut. Mm. Worked better than it did in India. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but also i don't see many australians going out and going you know what i'm gonna breed these emus just so i can bring them in for a bit of money can you imagine you go over to your mate's place and you're like cheryl what do you got in the backyard there well i heard they're giving us a thousand dollars an emu so i just put two of them in there and then one of them attack the other so um we're having emu stew Yeah, much easier to breed snakes, isn't it? Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, So I think that's all for the Emu War. (laughs) Yes. Although, just to sort of keep things moving forward in a way that they haven't been up until now, (laughs) we've jumped around a bit, we're Mm. only going to move forward about eight to ten years for Mm. the next story, when Australians were once again bored and there were (laughs) soldiers everywhere. And we're going to see what that does to Australian history Mm. in 1942. So we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.